This is Business Impact, a podcast series from UCD College of Business, Ireland's leading business school. I'm your host, Emmett Oliver, and each episode, I'll be joined by world-renowned faculty from across the College of Business, as well as international industry leaders who offer us insight, spark curiosity, and challenge you to rethink how you do business in a changing world. Welcome to another edition of Business Impact. We are in an Indian summer at the time of recording. Hard to believe, but the sun has been shining for almost 48 hours. There's been no rain, no clouds in the sky. Yes, indeed, this is actually October. Can you believe it? Busy campus here, a lot of students pouring in. You know, could a few lectures already done. So some worried students because uh, <laughs> the initial ones are out of the way and the real work is starting to begin and things are piling up and essays are coming in and presentations have to be put together with uh, fellow teammates and all the rest of it. So there is quite a buzz out here on the UCD business campus. And I'm talking to somebody who's a, a new arrival in the business campus, and he's in a fascinating area, which is the whole area of executive education and development, talking particularly about how people can keep their skills relevant throughout their entire career. Reinvention in particular, we're going to have a conversation about now, but also about how companies work and help to design modules and courses with education providers and how that partnership builds and grows and how Ireland itself, I suppose, is going to keep its skills profile relevant at a national level over the next few years. And my guest is Tim Ray, who is the director of UCD Smurfit's Executive Development. He's very welcome. He has previously been at Warwick Business School and also at Nottingham University. And he's recently come back to UCD and settled back down here uh, just outside Dublin with his family. And he's great to be back on as part of the UCD business community. Uh, Tim, good uh, afternoon to you. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Emmett. Delighted to be with you today and looking forward to the conversation. Now, as I said in my introduction, you're in an area that's it's highly competitive. There are business schools, there are rankings, there are all sorts of different offerings out there, different ways of marketing those offerings, different ways to kind of put courses together. Just give us a sense of um, the scene, I suppose, first of all, um, what happens in executive education. And I suppose for some of our listeners, what exactly is executive education and executive development? Well, I suppose, I mean, we're working with mid to senior executives. We are working with them on the development of their capability and skill set so they can be more effective in their roles. For some, it's about being more effective in the job they're at presently. Um, For others, it's about providing them with the platform to transition into more senior roles or indeed to transition into, into different roles. As you were saying in your introduction, there's a, an element of uh, reinvention, an element of keeping up to pace, an element of uh, making sure that the value that you can deliver as, uh, as an individual to your organization is at the, uh, the maximum. Um, so we, we work with individuals with a, a suite of what we call open programs, like a, a catalogue of offerings uh, across a, a wide range of uh, disciplines uh, covering strategy, leadership, organisational change, digital transformation, coaching and so on. Uh, so we have a range of, of uh, open programme offerings and then obviously we work extensively in, in partnership with corporate clients as well uh, where we are working closely with them um, to kind of understand their business, understand their strategy um, and develop Uh, interventions that are going to support the execution of that strategy. Now, as we've covered on this podcast uh, numerous times, being a manager, being an executive, uh, the phrase is still in current use, is a tough job. It's not easy in the year 2023. 
even people who don't like that kind of structure uh, acknowledge that it, it's a tough place to be. Companies are more complex. There's a lot of cultural issues that kind of crowd in on, on the firm. There's obviously a lot of issues into with the cost of living and inflation crisis at the moment, which makes uh, staying profitable difficult. So th- there's a lot of confluence of forces there for the average executive. So when, when they come to you, Tim, and, and maybe companies come through the HR route as well, of course, it's not just executives directly, what kind of things are they looking for or, or what are the kind of the pressures or, or the needs that they have? The business landscape is is rapidly changing. The pace of change is is at high velocity. Uh, technology is obviously a huge driver, um, and the digitalization of uh, of business uh, is well advanced. We also have drivers um, such as climate change, the need for sustainable business solutions, and so on. So, you know, we have individuals and organisations seeking to to grapple with. Uh, grapple with those challenges um, and understanding how they address those challenges. Um, uh, so you're building an organization that is agile and responsive, uh, that can be first into the opportunity space, uh, indeed also agile enough to, uh, to avoid uh, pitfalls and challenges. Building the understanding of the new business landscape is kind of critical for both individuals and organisations and developing and building the capabilities to be able to address those challenges is central to, uh, to what we do. Uh, so if you think about even in the leadership space, an area that I've uh, you know, taught in uh, for, for quite some time, particularly post-COVID, uh, the world has changed dramatically in terms of even the use of you know, technology for remote working and so on. So for many leaders now, the challenge is one of, of leading remotely. Um, you know, and that, that pr- provides and presents a, a whole new layer of, uh, of complexity. So rapid, rapid change uh, means that organizations and individuals continually need to reassess and rethink um, how they are relevant uh, and how they deliver value and you know that's largely the area in which we are we are uh, we're working with people now before we, we we push the conversation any further maybe talk a little bit about yourself you're you're a new appointment into Smurfit you've taken over for, from a well-known team and you're building and consolidating on that further and you've mentioned your experience previously in, in really a who's who of, of business schools. Um, Warwick Business School, of course, uh, highly renowned and well-known, Nottingham University as well. So so what would your priorities be, Tim? As you rightly say, um, you know, my, my background is, is operating in the kind of the global market for executive education and um, you know, we're, we're refreshing and renewing the team here. My colleague Joe Peppard uh, has joined as our academic director and uh, Joe has worked with uh, business schools in, in Europe and the US, such as MIT and, and ESMT and with other colleagues have joined from places like Imperial in, uh, in London. Um, so we are, we've definitely um, uh, enriched, if you like, the leadership team here with uh, kind of global perspectives and, and global experience. And as uh, as we look at the, the landscape, um, I suppose I was to try and pick three, and there are obviously many issues and challenges that, that we face uh, in the same way as our clients do. Um, I think deepening corporate partnerships is certainly uh, one of my priorities. Uh, we have a number of uh, existing corporate partnerships, and uh, we wish to extend the, the breadth uh, and depth of those uh, partnerships. That, that allows us to get closer 
to industry, get closer to our client base and you know, to deliver uh, greater value. Uh, when you can develop a deep understanding of an organization and its needs, it uh, puts us in a position to, to both at an individual and, and organizational level to, uh, to generate and to uh, contribute much more significant value. And it also opens up uh, for those corporates a wider relationship with the university. We, we are a university-based business school, so we don't just draw upon the expertise within the business school, uh, but also from other schools and, and other disciplines right across the university. And that allows us to bring a pretty unique combination of, uh, of insights to bear. Um, so deepening the corporate partnerships, definitely one. Uh, advancing the use of technology. We've said technology is a big driver in the wider landscape for our clients, but it's also a, a big driver for us. Uh, much more use of uh, blended uh, approaches to delivering executive education, a lot more being delivered online. And then moving into spaces like virtual reality and augmented reality. Um, you know, we're in the global market, we're moving uh, away fairly quickly from uh, paper-based case studies that we would all have been familiar with and much more into the virtual reality space. So technology, I suspect, uh, well, I'm sure, because it's clearly evident already, uh, is going to be a very big disruptor in our industry, uh, along with those of our, our of our clients. I think the third um, driver for me and the third big priority is uh, continuing to create um, greater flexibility uh, and personalization in terms of uh, of what we deliver. Um, you know, it's important you know, more and more uh, the clients that we're working with, individuals and organizations, uh, want just-in-time learning. Uh, that phrase, you know, just-in-time and just-enough. Um, so much more bite chunk um, uh, learning delivered when it's required. Does that put pressure on you to, because you obviously want to, you know, make the programs good and, and, and meaningful. Is there a pressure point there to try and make them just in time and just enough, as you say, which is an interesting phrase, but also keep the, the content intact, as it were? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a very good point. It's a, it's a careful balancing act. I was uh, chatting to another provider a few months back who was talking about bite chunk learning in terms of a program that they delivered to a very large corporate. And I kind of pushed the point and said, well, what exactly is bite chunk learning? And it turned out to be a three minute video uh, followed by a 25 minute uh, learning set where, where three executives sat together and said, what does that mean? And, and now what are we going to, how are we going to apply that? Um, so that, that really is, you know, micro bites. And if you like, that's at one end of the spectrum and at the other end of the spectrum, perhaps it's kind of a long, more drawn out degree program. Um, so we've got to find that balance where we are sure that we are providing the depth of learning required. But we also need to realize that there is a, uh, a drive from the, the marketplace uh, for that sort of shorter uh, bite chunk learning as I've described it. And, you know, as we see you know, the likes of Gen Z coming through now, uh, you know, and beginning uh, to, to join the ranks of our, uh, our programs, these are, these are uh, is a cohort that have uh, grown up on um, you know, short TikTok videos and uh, uh, have uh, much less patience for a, a longer drawn out session. We'll, ha we'll have to get you on TikTok then, Tim, yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, 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 I haven't quite made it to that frontier yet, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm using my 16-year-old uh, son to educate me on that one. But I, I think the point is a well-made one. We're, we're used to certain formats of learning. They're just traditional and obviously they, they, they still do have attributes that people want, you know. People still do MBAs or PhDs or masters or whatever. So as you say, there's still huge demand there too. But I suppose companies come to you 
and they are obviously time pressed themselves. They don't want employees probably out of the workplace that much. So there's there's company driven a lot of this, isn't it? Yeah. And the conversation that we have with uh, lots of our corporate clients is uh, you know, we'll always have negotiation on price. Um, but uh, the bigger issue tends to be time. Um, so senior executives are, are time poor, first and foremost. So we have to find ways of crafting and packaging and designing the learning in ways that make it uh, accessible uh, for, uh, for, for, for very busy senior execs. Uh, we need to make it uh, something that is high quality, um, but we also need to make sure that is it's accessible and meets their the reality of their dealing working working lives as well. So learning used to be something that executives did periodically. Uh, so you know you might do something like a an MBA or an exec MBA, and it might be ten years because before you come back into a learning experience. Slightly cliche to say, but it's absolutely true that learning now has become uh, continuous. Uh, and lifelong. Therefore, people are going to be interacting with learning on a much more frequent basis. So so rather than the big set piece program every 10 years, they're much more likely to want to be able to access learning on, a, on an ongoing basis. And, you know, as a, as a business school, we've got to be brave enough to, to grasp that um, and uh, be prepared to, to break some of our own traditional models um, and to kind of reinvent the wheel to make sure that we remain relevant in that world. Now, Tim, the word relevant is popped up a few times in this conversation. I just want to dig into that a little bit more. I'm thinking of that in terms of AI and what's happening there. And anyone who listens to this podcast regularly will know that I'm, I'm an occasional sceptic of, of its potentiality, but we, we, we do know what's happening and we do know it's going to have far-reaching effects. And one of those is obviously going to be in certain areas that can be replaced by machine learning, you know, think of accountancy, for example, which, you know, a lot of um, topics on this podcast uh, address. So people who want to stay relevant, and that's the word, who want to upgrade, who want to reskill and who want to reinvent, I think was the word you used earlier on. They, they've come in at a certain time when AI didn't even exist and probably wasn't even a speck on, on anyone's blackboard. So now it's here and the skills they had are possibly less relevant or becoming obsolete gradually, and they're trying to reinvent themselves, maybe even have a career change or change role within their existing organisation. Are those the kind of people that you think your programmes will be relevant to? And are these the kind of people that you're hearing more and more from and expecting to hear more and more from? Uh, well, certainly uh, what we provide is highly relevant to that group. As you say, you know, learning perhaps in the past was about transitioning in your career. Now, as we've said, it's about more about, uh, well, it's equally about reinvention uh, and about ensuring that your skill set remains up to date. So we have a suite of professional diplomas. Uh, what distinguishes them, for example, from something like an MBA or an exec MBA, which would be a general management degree, uh, our professional diplo diplomas are shorter, more focused, and they're also um, they're focused on, on particular topic areas where you can go in depth. So that digital theme uh, is, a, is an important kind of pillar for us um, in terms of the development of, uh, of new offerings. So uh, in the incoming season, uh, we are launching uh, a diploma in digital information, innovation transformation. Uh, and we're also offering a new uh, professional diploma in AI and data analytics. 
And that reflects, of course, our sense of what the challenges are for organizations, um, but also what we hear clearly from, from the marketplace. We, we stay very close to our clients, we stay very close to the market, and, and there's a very significant demand in that area. And I certainly uh, expect that, that uh, well, we're already seeing it in our customized programs where that digital theme has already been present. Uh, and as you say, uh, it's a little bit akin to, if I can draw the parallel, um, of uh, you know finance for non-financial managers, uh, which has been a kind of a staple down the decades, where uh, you have non-financial managers who need to be able to speak the language of finance simply to engage intelligently in the conversation at the uh, uh, at the top table. These days, you need to be able to intelligently discuss the impact of digitalization, both the opportunities and the challenges. You don't need to become a software engineer, but you do need to know how these things work. You do need to know what uh, the potential is in terms of transformation of your own business, of the creation of value. Um, so it is you know, acquiring that working knowledge and that uh, sufficient uh, insight into the digital space uh, that will allow you to be relevant and effective in your own role. Now, Tim, I've always been kind of curious, and, and a disclosure, I have completed one of the courses in Smurford, which is corporate governance, which I thoroughly enjoyed, a diploma in same, uh, several years ago. So I, I am uh, <laughs> giving a personal thumbs up to some of the, the modules and courses and offerings that you have. But what I'm really interested in is how people come to you. What, what's the route? Is it sort of an executive that comes to you and says, look, this is, is sort of a personal thing. I'm missing something here, or I've started a new role and I need to upgrade my skills to be effective in the role? Are they kind of sent almost by HR? And I use that pejoratively just for the sake of the question, but are they sent by HR and told, you know, you, you need to do this or the company thinks this is important, so will you please complete this program? So just give me some idea of, of, of the route, you know, the executives that come your way What's the thinking or the pathway that's led them to your door? So certainly we will have individuals who will themselves have identified uh, the need or the opportunity for, for further development in their careers. Um, and you know, there are many, many people out there who will take ownership of their career in that way and um, actively um, seek to, to fill gaps or, or provide the platform for progression. Um, at the same time, uh, you know, we will have companies' uh, approaches in respect of individuals, or indeed the individuals may come to us and say that uh, they've had career conversations, perhaps they're working with an executive coach or they're working with somebody in their own HR area who sat down and said, look, you know, hand on shoulder, uh, we see you as somebody with great potential, um, but we think you, you, could, be strength, you could strengthen in, in this area. So I will work with a lot of senior executives in the past who perhaps are very strong on the analytical side, you know, maybe strategically in terms of how they, uh, their strategic analysis and thinking skills, their financial skills are very, very strong. Um, but there's a perception that they need to work uh, and invest more time in, in developing themselves as, as leaders. And that might be the barrier that would prevent them getting from the, uh, to the top table. So sometimes it is a result of that career discussion and other times it can be the individual themselves seeing that, that need. Um, so that, that's kind of on the open program side. And of course, we have folks here that uh, will engage in conversations with individuals um, and uh, supplement whatever conversations they've had within their own business. 
uh, helping them to asking them the right questions and helping them to think through whether uh, what they've come looking for in the right in the first instance is in fact the right program for them. Um, so we've uh, we've got a very skilled and experienced group of uh, counsellors here, if you like, uh, who will provide good insight and advice and direction for people. Um, so once uh, once people have been prompted to come to us in, in some shape, form or fashion, we'll also have that further conversation to refine exactly what it is that they need. Now, there's obviously intense competition in this area. We, we briefly mentioned it in the introduction. There's the university sector of, of which you are part. There are a number of uh, training agencies, uh, bespoke boutique, smaller kind of companies that do work in this area. There's a lot of online offerings, uh, particularly in the technology space, uh, that do short, bite-sized offerings, as as you mentioned earlier. So it's huge. I mean, I don't know how many of them there are. I don't know if anyone's done any work on just kind of counting the numbers of people offering executive development. Just give us a sense of that competitive landscape and, and maybe sketch it out for our listeners because there's so much out there. We may know the universities, they're, they're, they're the more established ones and some of them go back centuries, etc. But we, we don't know necessarily as much about some of these newcomers. But can you give us some idea, just even from your new role and, and so on, what is the level of competition out there and how does any offerer differentiate themselves or, or break themselves out from the pack? As you say, Emmett, the competitive uh, landscape for executive education globally and here within Ireland um, is uh, is very intense indeed. Perhaps I'll do the political thing and not necessarily name my competitors. but <laughs> That's always a clever idea. <laughs> there are, as you say, a range of other business schools in the country. Uh, but beyond that, uh, there are obviously many, many boutique consultancies, if I would describe them as that. Um, so uh, lots of people who are focused perhaps in one particular niche area and who, who provide a very, very good service. Um, so there are, there are many, many, many uh, uh, providers of that type out there. EdTech is a, a significant d- disruptor. Um, so you can sit at your computer anywhere in this country and, and uh, access uh, online programs um, offered by major global business schools um, and indeed uh, uh, other providers who are not necessarily accredited providers. Um, so, uh, you know, very large um, uh, edtech providers. Of course, you've got LinkedIn Learning and, and uh, lots of other uh, platforms of that type as well. So the landscape is extremely competitive. If I sat down and wrote out a list, I'm sure I'd come to 50 very, very quickly indeed. Um, so very, very intense. How do, how do we carve out uh, our position in that? Yeah, I'd say our value proposition is, is built around a, a number of things. You know, one of the downsides of so many providers is uh, it's hard to know who's trading off the latest fad and uh, where that's coming from. I think uh, quality is, uh, is a guarantee of the UCD brand. Um, I think research and evidence-based and originality uh, is another key thing. So uh, our faculty that will uh, teach in our, our programs um, will be deep in the research area themselves and, and also be right across the, the latest uh, evidence-based scholarship. Um, so you know what you're getting is cutting edge. You know that it's evidence-based. I think transformational learning experiences is a, is a key distinguishing factor here. And as I mentioned earlier, the, the notion of being a university-based business school, um, I think, is a, is a powerful differentiator as well. So, for example, many, many organizations, particularly at the senior levels, 
they're worried about um, uh, the business environment. But for example, things like the, you know, the political environment and the social environment are critical issues for them to consider as well. And we can bring in, you know, for example, we have a, we have a school of politics and international relations here um, who can talk informatively and authoritatively uh, about issues to do with you know Brexit, with the unfolding of where the European Union is going, you know, etc. So we can enrich our learning by drawing upon the university as a whole. I think that's a that's a, a, a huge uh, a huge benefit. Now, um, as you say, it's intense, the competition, and there's a lot of smaller players involved as well. Um, the, uh, Dublin obviously plays host to a large number of very well-known, recognised multinational brands. You know, I'll mention one or two, but no more. Obviously, we have the, the Googles of this world, uh, LinkedIn, I think you mentioned in a, in a different context. So Dublin is hosting these firms. So that does give you uh, and your colleagues access into international companies. So I was just kind of curious... Do you see your offerings as, as more national or international or a mixture of the two? Or how do you carve that up about where you put your focus? Because Dublin is so cosmopolitan now and has changed so much in the last 20 or 30 years. So just how do you pitch that? Because there's, there's those two pieces of national and international and where the education lands and how relevant it is and so on. So just be curious to know where your emphasis goes. Well, I, I think one important point, first of all, is is uh, regardless of whether you're you're dealing with um, you know an indigenous Irish organization or a multinational organization, uh, almost inevitably uh, the workforce will be a diverse one and will be a global one. So what's very important is that when uh, we work with a, a client organization, when they have that diversity in their workforce, it's really important that uh, we reflect that diversity. Uh, in terms of perspectives, in terms of experiences um, with our, our faculty. And, and I'm glad to say that our, our faculty team, you know, in terms of that kind of global and national diversity is very strong indeed. So, um, you know, that's that's an important aspect of it. We have a very significant number of uh, people uh, working in the large US and, and, uh, and other global multinationals that you referred to, Emmett, uh, with a very significant number of people from those organisations coming through our uh, open programmes, that suite of professional diplomas that I mentioned earlier, for example. Um, so we have a very, very large population uh, coming through from those uh, those sources. Um, and uh, uh, we we tend on the customised side to work with um, some of the, the larger Irish multinational firms. Um, and uh, and we, we, we work with... Uh, uh, as they internationalize, if you like, we internationalize our, our, our offer as well. Uh, we have other uh, areas that, um, such as our aircraft leasing area, where you know, we believe we have the number one research and teaching center in the country. Um, and Ireland is the number one center for aircraft leasing globally. Um, and that's a very interesting area for us to reach out to the global marketplace. Um, and uh, so in areas of, uh, in, in, if you like, niche areas like that, where we have a very clear differentiator in the global marketplace, um, that's something that we will pursue as well. So executive education by its nature, uh, whether exclusively focused on the Irish market or not, is in fact international by nature. Um, and uh, that's certainly reflected in uh, our teaching faculty and in the content of what we do as well. And one final one for you, Tim, which I suppose is, is, is more contemporary, which is the influence of economic conditions, external economic conditions. Obviously, we're in a, an inflationary cycle. You've talked about relevance, and I'm sure some of the students and companies you work with talk a little bit about value as well. So does, does the whole phase we're going through of inflation and, and cost of living crises and so on, does that, does that 
place any influence on over the executive development offerings or, or what companies are looking for or people looking for even more relevance, if you can call it that, because they are feeling the pinch in other areas? Or does it actually mean the opposite, that there's a little bit of a chance to take a time out and upskill and use the period to kind of never waste a good crisis type thinking? So how, how does those external economic environment issues affect what you're doing in terms of the courses you offer and just how you can entice and attract new students and a new intake? Well, I suppose the, the, the broad answer to that is that we are always cognizant of what the, uh, the current trends and pressures on businesses are. I'm around the block long enough now to have seen us go through a variety of economic cycles. And there's no doubt that uh, when we're in an economic downturn, that uh, the number of people coming to finance courses and uh, looking at uh, uh, cost or or transformation and change that delivers uh, cost reduction and and greater value become uh, more in demand. Uh, But I think, you know, we, you know, again, we've just talked about the international marketplace and, and, uh, you know, a big drive by Irish industry, uh, in terms of in indigenous Irish industry and then also the multinational sector. Obviously, they are uh, businesses that seek to be diversified significantly across business lines and across geographies uh, as a way of insulating against uh, these kind of cost and economic pressures. So I would say that there are clearly the conversations in the room become infused with some of that reality. And of course, it's, it's important to say that uh, in an executive education room, the dynamic is very different from sitting perhaps in an undergraduate room or other teaching environments. In an executive education room, there's very much a three-way learning exercise where uh, people are learning from the person in the room, but they're learning very much from each other, uh, as well as the lecturer learning from them. Um, so there's very much that kind of three-way dynamic, that learning conversation. So that conversation tends to contextualize. So we're talking about strategy or we're talking about leadership. It will t- it'll get discussed and explored in the context of what's going on in the wider environment at that time. Uh, you don't walk into a room in executive education and simply talk at an audience for a couple of hours in isolation. There's absolutely an engagement, lots of small group work, lots of interaction, and therefore the discussions become very much contextualised around those uh, those existing pressures. So certainly cost of living, those kind of factors constantly enter uh, the conversations in the room. Well, listen, thank you very much for the conversation. Fortunately, we're up against time. You've got a good uh, time ahead, a good period ahead of you, um, newly appointed, so it'll be interesting to see the direction you go And next time around, maybe we'll get you to do the TikTok video and uh, and put it in as part of this overall podcast. That would be an interesting development. But for now, Tim Ray, who is the director of UCD Smurfit Executive Development, thank you very much for talking to us and good luck in the future. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed this week's episode of the UCD Business Impact Podcast, please subscribe to episodes on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We cover a broad range of topics with insights from business leaders around the world, so there's sure to be something there for everyone. I'd like to thank our production team of Beth Gormley and Mike Liffey. They work tirelessly in the background, sourcing interviewees, editing, promoting episodes, and everything in between. I've been your host, Emmett Oliver, and we hope you can join us next time on UCD Business Impact. Music